Welcome to Experts Only Podcast, sponsored by Clean Capital. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. I'm your host, John Powers. Each week, we explore the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance with leaders across the industry. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to Experts Only. I'm your host, John Powers. Today, we have a really fascinating conversation with John Carrington, who's the Chief Executive Officer for STEM. John has over 25 years of proven leadership experience in a series of industries, and he brings that experience he had, and you'll hear him talk about his learning about leadership at GE and working internationally and how he's bringing that leadership into the clean energy industry here at home and working and leading one of the most dynamic energy storage companies out there today. As most folks know, energy storage represents a tremendous opportunity as the world transitions to clean energy. And STEM has proven to be a real leader in the space. We're also going to talk about a new partnership that STEM and Clean Capital has launched to provide financing to the middle market for energy storage projects. You can learn more at cleancapital.com. And as always, I hope you enjoy the conversation. John, thanks so much for uh, being on Experts Only. Thanks. Great to be here, John. Really looking forward to diving in the exciting time you guys are having at STEM. But I want to talk a little bit about your background, which is is maybe a little bit unique to this industry. You came from a different industry, but you had really developed leadership chops uh, through GE. Um, you know, when you, so as we were talking earlier, you sort of grew up in a couple of different places in the country. You know, when you went to school and you ended up in, you said in Corning, right? Owens Corning, yeah. Owens Corning, yeah. Uh, what? Beautiful, beautiful Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. Were you, was that sort of on the engineering side? It was actually on the sales sales marketing side. They had a remarkable training program that really intrigued me coming out of the University of Colorado. So I like to do it. It was six months training and you had three months in the field, three months at corporate. So I just felt like the investment they were putting in their team was compelling. And so I think it was a class of maybe 10 or 12 of us. And that was my first role right out of school. Yeah. And then what led to GE? Well, it was interesting. I, um, I... You know, it's funny. I went up to uh, Toledo. I was living in Indianapolis. And I, you know, as you do as a younger, aggressive sales guy, I felt like I should have a bigger job. I was named yeah. like you know, the salesman <laughs> of the year. And, you know, it's time for me to run Owens Corning, of course. So I went to corporate and uh, they were like, yeah, make we got a great millennial job. Make a great millennial. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, unfortunately. I, so I said, "Look, I need. Uh, let's talk about the next role." And and I just looked back and shake my head at it all, as, as far as probably what they were thinking. But I, uh, I, they said, "Look, there's a couple things we can look at." And I felt like they were laterals. And I remember I went back to the airport and back in the payphone days, uh, and I checked my voicemail, and there was a call from a recruiter for an opportunity at GE, and they had been recruiting a lot of people, and that was that was the first step, and. Uh, you know, I ended up spending 16 years at that company. Yeah, amazing. I mean, GE is famous for its sort of leadership development uh, as, as a, uh, for their employees. I mean, somebody who came out of the military, right, and was sort of had that experience uh, in a little bit of a different way. But, you know, how did that sort of leadership development and I guess it, even in a different industry, you know, help position you to lead what you're doing today at STEM? Yeah, I mean, look, as I said, I was there 16 years. I was very fortunate in that uh, Jack Welch had did these city tours, they were called. And I happened to be in Phoenix at the time. And he came out and he had been in the plastics business for the majority of his career at GE, in fact. So I did my presentation. At the end of it, he said, where's Carrington? Come on. And we walked to the car together. 
Wow. And when we got to the car, he said, I want to have you up to Fairfield. I want to spend more time with you. And, uh, you know, he really took a liking to the plastics business, to what I was doing. It was very instrumental. And then when he retired and Jeff Immelt took over, I, Jeff had been in plastics when I was there. So I worked closely right. with him. So it was it was very fortunate to have such interaction with the leadership there. But I would say, you know, I was also lucky in that uh, Immelt decided to put um, four leaders from each of the businesses into Asia because the mix shift for the company was really going there. So I went to Tokyo. I was responsible for the commercial and, and marketing operations and moved there. I think it was about 34 years old is all. I'd never wow. seen Tokyo. And really the objective was to hire leaders in each of the major countries. And in the end, we hired 2,000 people. And what was great about the experience is I learned how to do business with Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, Indians, and Southeast Asians. And all are very nuanced. And so, right. and you don't get that going there a couple of times a year. So I felt like I was very fortunate to have that. And when you ask what I bring to STEM, that global mindset's a big one. I would also say some of the other things that I took away was really a big focus, and this was more Welch, of just hiring the best and brightest and get domain expertise. Now with the new transaction that we've done, the balance sheet we have, I think we're able to even get more domain expertise. We've had an amazing team that got us right. here, but I'm more focused on that. I think the other one is really thinking about revolving the company around core values. I mean, the GE was very good at that. And we I brought a lot of that here to STEM and it's you know integrity, innovation, customer centricity. There's a lot around the execution piece, of course, and then obviously diversity and inclusion. And I finally, I'd say, you know, I learned a lot there about creating a great culture. I mean, GE is remarkable in that area. The, the, the GE executives, it's its like my second family. I mean, you stay right. in touch with all of them. My former CEO of the GE Plastics business, I had dinner at his house two weeks ago. He lives in Tokyo now. I mean, I've known these people for 20 plus years and it's a very tight network. And I want to try to create that environment at STEM. And I think we have, and we have a STEM surf team, volleyball, biking. I mean, there's all these different teams that I'm, I'm very encouraged that they do that. And I think it's fabulous for retention as well. And just in general builds a better culture for all. That's amazing. Before we dive into the STEM piece for a second, you know, you worked in a, you know, a pretty mature industry, right? The plastics industry as it was sort of growing internationally, you're coming to a, you know, I would, I like to call it the, the, one of the biggest emerging markets in the world, right? The clean energy space, you know, what parallels do you see uh, or what lessons you need to learn from having worked in the plastic space that you can bring in to help accelerate the, the clean energy market? Yeah, I think, you know, again, a lot of it is around kind of the, the say do ratio. I mean, I think what I saw when I got to Silicon Valley was you had sort of the two types of people, one that wanted to go have coffee, beer, whatever, and talk about all the great things this company that they worked for was going to go do. And then another group that said, we're going to go make this happen. Here's how we're going to do it. And I got rid of a lot of the set at the coffee shop types and yeah. put in people that, that wanted to go get it done. And so I think that kind of metrics execution focus uh, has been very influential to to what has happened at STEM and why we've been as successful as we have. I, you know, look, I mean, I also went to smaller companies. I mean, I was executive vice president for Solar. We took that from 200 million to over 2 billion, opened up a bunch of new markets globally, again, peeing off of that experience from GE. And then before, um, before STEM, I was uh, CEO and director at Mia Soleil, where right. John Gord recruited me out to, to run that business. The focus really there was to 
to find a strategic partner, sell the business, and I and we ended up uh, selling the business. So, John, you have a fascinating background, and now you're working at one of the most fascinating companies in the clean energy space today. For folks that don't know about STEM, can you talk a little bit about the history of the company and what you're doing today? Sure. You know, we um, so I the company has been around since 2009. The impetus behind it was really how do you build out a software platform that can provide virtual power plants uh, to a variety of customers that we can network and integrate those to provide grid stability and obviously save the host customer money. Um, And and we're not too far afield from that initial vision. Um, Today, we're the the market leader and we think of it as an AI-driven storage solution that is really built uh, to enable rapid adoption of renewables on the electricity grid. So what we do is provide our customers a complete clean energy storage solution that integrates battery hardware and battery optimization from our proprietary software platform that we call Athena. And this integrated system, John, we basically are delivering value to our customers by reducing their energy cost, reducing carbon emissions, and stabilizing the grid. And from a customer standpoint, those include commercial, industrial, utilities, co-ops, renewable asset owners, and renewable developers. And on the CNI side, we're saving our customers up to 30% on their monthly energy bill. On the developer asset owners, we can help them lever up returns by anywhere from 10 to 30%. You know, we're excited about the market. We feel like it's an inflection point. Um, Wooden McKenzie's saying it'll grow at 25 times over the next 10 years and become a $1.2 trillion TAM. Uh, so, you know, probably one of the biggest market segments you can be a part of. And we're the leader in that. We have about 1.2 gigawatt hours under, of assets under management. So things are, uh, it's a long way, John, from where I started with, I think we had four or five sites and here we are nearly a thousand. So uh, yeah, it's been a great run. And, uh, and we continue to uh, to build out in a variety of new geographies. And what I love about the team that you've built at STEM, and you guys really do harness the industry expertise of, of this emerging market. And can you talk a little bit about how you work with developers who, you know, many folks who've been in the solar space for a long time on the development side are really trying to get into energy energy storage, but may not have the true expertise to, to break in like you need to. Can you talk a little bit about how your team works with those developers to develop solutions? Yeah. So we have focused again on the domain expertise side on the developer front. And, you know, we were financing deals in the beginning of the company. We right. elected not to do that, obviously, and very excited about some things we're doing with you. But I would say that, that from a developer standpoint, they they really not only aren't they aware of how to work in the storage side of things, they probably in many cases don't want to work in that. They are developers. They're focused on that. They understand that world. And so STEM comes in and we can provide them with all of the pro formas around the financials, all the opportunities that they can participate from a market participation perspective, we buy several hundred million dollars of batteries a year. So we have very competitive cost as well as very compelling warranties because of all the data that we've generated literally over the last you know, 10 to 12 years. So right. we're providing a really a turnkey solution, John, to them. They appreciate that. They want to do that with us. And from an asset owner standpoint, they want one platform that they can manage all of their assets under. And that's where STEM comes in as well. And um, so we're working with the large you know, private equity funds, et cetera, that are out there saying, we want to put storage on all of our solar assets going forward. How can you help us do that? You understand the market. Tell us what we need to do, and, and we provide that service for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's that expertise that you all have and the the track record in the market that that got us at Clean Capital excited about partnering for the audience. You know, in June, Clean Capital STEM announced a really exciting new partnership to leverage this experience that they have and the expertise they have working with developers out there, and then lever the expertise we have at Clean Capital on the financing side to bring efficient capital into this market and really help it accelerate. I think you know what what I'm really looking forward to seeing going forward is when developers and uh you know working in a handful of states right now but really starting to expand that and i think with the federal push we're going to see in the steroid injection hopefully our industry gets you know they'll be able to work with your team and our team together to to take a project get it to the goal line we'll fund it and own it and they know coming out the back end that that all that effort they're putting it up front and it's going to be worth it because so they know what people are looking for on the financing side Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're really excited about it as well, John. I mean, as I said, having been in the renewables business since 2007, I think one of the key success factors is stable legislative environment that in turn enables lower cost of capital and drives more throughput. And I think we have that in this new administration in particular, and a lot of the the states have kind of aligned around storage, but we are very much aligned on this, as you know. And I think Every one of those developers I spoke to have asked us about, do you have any thoughts around good partners around financing? And I think this partnership, we answer that question very easily, but it's also that you know we can be very transparent to make deals happen quickly. From the STEM standpoint, we have a kind of a footprint of what we can go do together. And it's not a one-off with a variety of different uh, exactly. you know, financing counterparties. And, and look, our developers want that and look to us for that. And it's just not a business we're, we're going to be doing in the future. So it's a great partnership. Yeah, we are, we're really excited about it. And I think the idea that, you know, your expertise to manage these over time and help get them to the goal line, uh, you know, and, and really for the developers out there, you know, the way we view the world, I think, Generally, is we want to rinse and repeat as many opportunities we can with folks. So, you know, building those relationships, making them strong, and understanding how to all work together is so important. And you know, now you're going to have a team that views the world very much the same way to be able to finance and and help you develop these things. Absolutely. Well, just for a second, can you talk about the work that you're doing in the federal marketplace? You know, this is a, you know having as, as you know, I oversaw the federal space for a long time. The last four years has definitely been a lull in activity in that space, but there's a commitment here in the new administration to, you know, once again, reestablish the federal government as a leader in terms of energy and sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, the federal business for me, being a GE was always one of these, oh, really, we're going to do federal? That'll My fourth successor will get to reap the rewards of that because right. it's a long cycle. But, but I think the administration is much more focused to your point, and, and we are as well. So we hired um, a new federal leader for us uh, that's located up in D.C. And he's going to do Chris Yes, exactly. And in fact, he's going to do the energy practice side, energy BD side, as well as the federal policy. And look, I think, you know, the Biden administration, uh, and quite frankly, we saw it in the Trump administration as well around a big focus on storage, but a lot of things got thrown into the pool when, um, you know, before the bill was ever approved. This is the first time that we've seen in writing a standalone storage ITC. I also want to make sure that, you know, we're a, a bigger part of the story up there. You know, we now have uh, a bigger balance sheet to hire people like Chris. We can do more lobbyist work. I want to spend more time up there. There's really not a 
a voice of storage today. You know, when I was at First Solar, Mike Ahern was, I mean, we'd have, we'd have uh, analyst meetings and there'd be 3,500 people on the phone. I mean, it was amazing how many people look to him. And I'm not saying that I'm Mike Ahern per se, but I think we need more of a voice up there around the storage piece and more of the, the, the companies. And we're really the only standalone public company in right. a smart storage space that I think we can fill that void. No, absolutely. And, and having spent time in Washington, that voice is so critical to bring to the table. There's enough industry groups, there's enough folks who, who, who can come with the talking points. But when you have folks that are leading companies, and you talk about the impact of these policies on jobs here in the United States, like that goes a long way. What, how do you guys view the storage ITC so this summer and some of the emphasis on, you know, we, we feel pretty strongly that, that, that there's a good chance you're going to see that. You may see direct pay. There's some really good potential steroid injections for our industry. Yeah, we, we feel very confident as well. I, I think, um, look, it probably won't be a 2021 impact to the company, right. but it will yeah. be in 2022. Um, look, Wood, Wood McKenzie just came out with 25% TAM expansion with an ITC. Uh, you know, look, it, it's it's terrific for us. It opens up a variety of new states, and we feel like it, it will happen. And as I said, it's the first time we've really seen it in writing in a bill, even though there's been a lot of talk about it. So I think it'll come together, and it's it's really compelling, too, for us, John, when you think about the retrofit side of existing CNI solar locations. And that is a huge market where you can now drop in storage with the ITC on that asset and even lever up the returns more. Yeah, this is a message more for the audience, but for all, for all of us that are in this industry, we need to actively be promoting these, these policies. So make sure to check out what's going on the Solar Energy Industry Association or Energy Source Association or other places where you can really, at least the minimum, sign on to a letter, like help push this forward because this is going to be really impactful for, for our industry over the next decade. Uh, as we look to continue to expand and, and grow. So with all the activity happening at the federal federal level, there's still this is still really a, continues to be a state-by-state state play. And there's a lot of momentum at the state level for energy storage. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys see that playing out here in the future? Sure. Yeah, you know, we're really seeing it nationwide, John. I would say that the Southwest is coming on. We're seeing more activity in the Midwest and the Northeast. I think the Texas situation opened a lot of eyes. Yeah. And, uh, and look, you know, the, when you talk to the state regulators, their view is we want to put more wind and solar, depending on where they're located. And they're all now keenly aware of the intermittency issues. When I was at First Solar working with regulators in California and the utility executives, I don't think people really grasped just what the intermittency impact would be. So they now have a solution in storage. So I think they're really writing storage and everything. So very good spot for both of us to be in as we look forward. But I think it's a nationwide phenomenon. It's not. Uh, it's not just you know a, a specific California story anymore. And we're really excited about. It. We're engaging a lot of states, and uh, we feel like the the best days are ahead and early innings of the game. So um, you know, I always sort of end with the last question to all, all my uh, my guests. And if you think about yourself coming before you got to Toledo and started at Owen Corning, and you could sit down and have a beer with yourself and give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say? I think I would tell that younger John Carrington to balance the ambition with uh, kind of enjoying the ride. I, I think right. that I was always looking ahead and like, what's the next job? What's the next deal? And, you know, I lived in, in Asia for four years and I probably could have done a lot more in Asia, even on the weekends, but it was just a, 
a very interesting, um, you know, to, to just be so focused on work. I probably should have slowed down and enjoyed other things a little bit more. And it was funny, my dad, who was a software guy, and successful software person, took a couple of companies public, said to me one day, I said, Dad, I got to do this and this and that. And it was a crazy calendar. I was traveling, Tokyo, whatever. He goes, John, I would kill to have one more of those days. So I think right. you got to kind of enjoy <laughs> the ride. And, yeah. and and it's, you know, because it won't always be here, right? And I think uh, that's what I probably would have told myself. And uh, look, I think in the end, we're all pretty ambitious and it got us to where we are. And it's hard to tell that person that, but that I think that that's what I would have said. Yeah, that's great advice. That's great advice. Well, John, thanks so much for being on Experts Only. We, our team is super excited to be working with the incredible team at STEM and our partnership and look forward to a really successful couple of years ahead. Likewise, John, and congratulations on this show. It's been it's great. You've got some terrific guests that I've I've listened to. So keep up the great work and keep the message out there. And look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely, and thanks to the the, the team at STEM, to Garrett and Tiffany for helping to put this together, and to our producers, uh, Carly Batten and Colin Young. As always, you can get more episodes at cleancapital.com. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks. Thanks for listening in today's conversation. Find more episodes on cleancapital.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We look forward to continuing our conversation on energy, innovation, and finance with you.